ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 38. I know I'm usually very outspoken, very happy. I'm usually having a nice time when I'm doing this podcast, but here's reality. I just finished watching Hell in a Cell. I'm not too happy. I'm not too happy at all. My name is Matt, also known as Wrestle Life Matt. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Polly, and we're going to tell you why you can hear the sadness in my voice. I mean, I don't, I don't really know the story. It's uh, oh, I'm sorry, my my hands were over my mouth there for a second. I'm just contemplating life after this uh, horrible, horrible pay per view. Yeah, yeah, it was no good. It was no good, and uh, we're about to tell you why. But here's the thing: the first thing in the actual pay per view we're going to talk about was really good. It was really good. And there were some there were some high points. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, worst pay-per-view ever. And I don't know about that. It might have had one of the worst endings ever. And I know you're all waiting to talk about it. We've got a lot to go over. So strap in. This one's going to be a long one. But before we get started, we're going to do This Day in Wrestling History. And I'm going to try it. I know Chris is going to yell at me. But I'm going to do my very, very best. <clears throat> Here goes, here goes. This day in wrestling history. Okay, was it all right? Yeah, it was all right. All right, cool. You had a robot voice to start off for like a split second, but it's okay. You know what? That's because I'm RoboMap, and uh, people just need to accept me for who I am. So this day in wrestling history, there were some very famous birthdays. Today is October 8th, 2019, by the way. We have the birthday of Paul Burchill, born in 1979. The pirate. The pirate Paul Burchill. We have the birthday of The Miz, born in 1980. And most importantly, in this day in 1975, we had Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa. Sweet. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Lots of cool birthdays today. I'm sure there were some other great things too, but you know what? We got a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I will say though, uh, I was actually a fan of Paul Burchill as a pirate, and I know that's a very small minority, but I actually liked it. I was just a lot younger at the time too, so I kind of like Paul Burchill too. But yeah, yeah, we we were definitely younger at the time, so yeah. I don't know. I always thought it was fun. Yeah. So on the on the pre-show, basically two things happen, right? Um, you had Natalia beating Lacey Evans in a mediocre match. And then you had Ali being interviewed, and then Randy Orton just kind of comes up and he goes, ah, remember, Ali was talking about how he has no momentum and he's going to gain his momentum back. And Randy Orton says, ah, see what I did there? Ah, don't you see that's who, who stopped your momentum? That person was me, Randy Orton, the man whose initials are the three most dangerous letters. In all of professional wrestling, not only is my Vince McMahon bad, my Randy Orton is somehow worse. That's not exactly what he said, but you guys get the point, right? I thought you were doing Ali. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's all the same. Okay. It's all the same. So yeah, the, that was that was pretty much your pre-show. I don't really remember anything else that happened, and there's nothing on my sheet. You, was there anything else happened on the pre-show that I'm missing? Um, no, not really. And I mean, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> it's just exactly. Like, so, uh, but I will say before we actually start the main show, I would also like to remind everybody 
I, actually, you know what? Real quick, I'm going to preface this review of the entire pay-per-view and just kind of review the week before this. Because this is a okay. big week in wrestling history. I feel like yes, I feel it like is. It's huge. I feel like this day in wrestling history will cover this at some point in the future. Because it was a it was a big week. So we started out with Raw with their season premiere. And obviously going into this, we knew that AEW was debuting on Wednesday. Uh, you know, the first company to be a possible competitor to WWE in, I mean, decades. And uh, it was looming. WWE has been trying everything they can to kind of derail it or take, you know, to cut it off. So this was their season premiere of Raw. And it was, you know, it, it was really a good chance to just have a clean slate, have a good start and just, you know, take off from there, do something different. And I mean, we got the draft coming up. We got SmackDown debuting on Fox. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to if you're a WWE fan. So what do they do? Uh, they start out with a cool intro and cool new set, but in a new uh, announced team. But other than that, it was kind of still the same role. There wasn't a whole lot different. And then, of course, they ended it with the big Rusev, Lashley, Lana story that was just really dumb. And then, of course, The Fiend and Seth Rollins again. So just not a great Raw uh, at all. Then we get to NXT in the middle of the week getting beat by AEW. AEW had a great first show. And to be uh, fair, was, NXT was great. It really was. It was. It was. Uh, I mean, it had better wrestling, you could say. Um, it probably, at least I thought, had you know probably the best match of the week. Uh, we'll yeah. get to that later. But um, yeah, wrestling-wise, NXT was great. It, AEW, AEW just has more excitement behind it right now, mainly because... WWE people are sick of. Yep. So and it was their first show. Right. And so AEW comes out and, you know, beats NXT and just proves that they're a real contender. And what does WWE do the following day? They release this stupid, like not serious congratulations to AEW. Right. And just make sure to point out that this is not a uh this is not a single week race. This is a marathon. Yeah, and, it was you know, a marketing move is exactly what it was. Right. Just to basically cut off, you know, put up their defenses before people could attack them for losing. And then obviously we had SmackDown that was on Fox. And honestly, I didn't think it was any different than like a Raw or SmackDown show. It just had some big moments in it. Um, obviously, the biggest one being the end of the show where the champion – uh, who the fans were behind ever since WrestleMania or actually before WrestleMania, who they've been building for months to say like, no, this guy's for real. He's not the same guy he was several years ago. We believe in him. We're going to give him this long run for six months. And it all culminated to this match where he got beaten seven seconds by Brock Lesnar and then got swept under the rug. So Cain Velasquez could come out and they could just hand the belt over to Brock and fans were furious. So with all that being said, this was the show to end the week where I thought they have got to win the fans back some way. Yeah. They, and it's so easy. Not, it was so it, easy it, to do. You would think it would be so easy. And we talked about this on our preview show that there was no way they could let Seth Rollins win in the main event. Like it just would be unheard of if they did that. But he and, didn't uh, win Kyle. He didn't win. Uh, well, it was referee we'll stoppage, you see. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I feel like everyone knows at this point. Yeah, he retained uh, his title, and that's what we will talk about it more as you know when we get to the. Oh, we will talk about it. I've been waiting to do this, man. I'm excited. But that's I'm just setting the stage because, like I said, this is a big show. 
this is really where they could win the fans back and they could just put an exclamation point on this historic week and kind of win people back. And honestly, you can pass a couple bad shows or like lackadaisical shows. Um, and, you know, if you have a big show like this to kind of, you know, lead off and going into the next week. So they really had a good opportunity here to kind of let people forget about all the other stuff and kind of win back fans that, you know, might be thinking of going to AEW and stuff like that. So with that being said, Let's go to the first match. Yeah, let's do it. Now, right before we get in, I want to go over one other thing. Mr. Chris Cumby could not be on the show with us tonight. As you, as you probably have all noticed, it's very rare for Chris, Kyle, and I to all be on the same show just because we're doing so many more shows now, which I hope you guys are, are enjoying. Uh, but because of that, this is such a big show, he asked if he could share his thoughts, and I said, you absolutely can. I've already listened to them, and they're incredible. So after the show is over and we say goodbye... Don't hit that stop button because Mr. Chris Cumby is going to give you a very quick rundown of his thoughts of the show. And uh, I, I think you guys will really be excited to hear it. So match number one, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. Yes. And so, first of all, this match was awesome. It was really, really good. There were so many cool spots. Um, my absolute favorite spot, and and probably one of yours too, and even if it's not your favorite, I'm sure you actually remember it, there was one spot where Becky Lynch uh, took some kendo sticks and put them in the corner of the cell. And she basically put a chair up there. So she sat a chair on top of some kendo sticks. She made a deer stand. It's exactly what she did. <laughs> she made a deer stand. Yes. And, you know, hit Sasha Banks a couple times and picked Sasha up who is sitting on this chair, elevated in the corner of the cell. Becky gets up on the apron, runs off the apron, and drop kicks her in her face. And it looks so cool. And was it, you know, did it do much more damage than a regular drop kick? Not really. You know, maybe she hit her head on the cell and fell down. But, ah, man, it just looks so cool. And I will say, the only problem I had with this match is they didn't use the cell enough. Like, this really could have just been a, a hardcore match or a no-holds-barred, and it kind of would have got the same thing across. You know, they right. did some cool things with the cell at the very beginning, um, and I'll let you explain the match because you do better than that at that than I do, but they did some really cool things with the cell at the very beginning, which made you think, oh, are they going to – they're outside the cell. Are they going to climb it or something crazy? But um, it, I, I wish they would have used the cell more, but, man, that's just – that's really grasping at straws if you really want to complain about something because this whole match was great. So tell us about it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you. It was a really good match. Um, really good sale match, really good way to uh, kick off the show. And honestly, even at the end of the match before I'd seen the rest of the show and God knows I still kept this theory after I saw the rest of the show, I saw this match and I thought, man, these girls work really hard. It was really innovative. Like, like you said, with the spot with the chair and the kendo sticks in the corner, uh, Sasha hung a chair up in the fence and, uh, threw Becky into it at one point. Yeah. Um, there forever too. There was a ladder up against the outside of it. And, um, Sasha ran off the apron, hit a meteora onto Lynch and her head slammed against the ladder. That looked like it really hurt. Um, I mean, there are a lot of good spots in this match and really innovative and they worked really hard. Um, it, it wasn't a perfect match. Um, like you said, they didn't really use, utilize the cage as much. Um, they started actually outside the cage, like you said. And then when they went um, back inside, Becky was able to grab the chain 
from the referee before he locked it. And you're thinking, oh, you know, they're going to, she's going to take the lock and be able to go outside later on and do something. But after she got done beating Sasha with it, the ref just grabbed it. Actually, Becky put it back through the thing and just locked it anyway. But I mean, there was, there were some spots in here. I noticed like, um, uh, Sasha Banks working on Becky's arm by like putting it in the cage and slamming the door in it, which was really cool looking. And then she was kind of working on the arm in certain spots. But then later on the match, it was almost like they forgot it. And it really didn't play into the finish at all. And so I feel like that was a little wasted, you know, wasted spot. But yeah, I agree. And there and there were other um, times where they would just kind of go back and forth. And they would their tra- transition between who was in control was really quick sometimes. Uh-huh. But all in all, it was still a fun match. They're really innovative. Um, I mean, you got a this is awesome chant from the crowd. I mean, it was a great, great opener of the show. But like, like I said, at the end of the match, I really thought I'm just it was just like this should be the main event. Like, I can't believe. It. I mean, it felt like a blow off match, the feud, and it was. It was great. And the, basically, the end came when um, Sasha got the uh, she locked in the bank statement with a kendo stick, which was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, Becky was able to slip out of um, slip out of it, and then she was beating Sasha with a kendo stick. And then uh, she got a chair uh, that she had gotten earlier and Banks started bunch, uh, tossing a bunch of chairs in the ring at one point. And so there was like tons of chairs in the ring. She was throwing them all over, throwing all over Becky. And then she got up the top rope and Becky like runs up and hits her, climbs to the top rope and hits the, uh, what's called the Beck Sploder suplex yeah. mm-hmm. off the top rope onto a bunch of chairs. Yeah, basically, I heard someone say every chair in the building that someone wasn't sitting in. I mean, it was a huge pile of chairs. Yeah, and yeah, they they both took that spot like tremendously. They did. And uh, Becky, as soon as she hits it, flips over, puts the disarmor on Banks. Banks was pulling at her hair, grabbing that chair, but eventually she had to tap out. So Becky Lynch retained her title. And yeah, like I said, really good match. Probably should have been the main event. Uh, in hindsight, they probably think it should have been the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, great match. These two girls worked so hard, and yeah, I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for you know being able to put on this great match on this awful pay per view. <laughs> there was also one more spot that I really liked that, that I hope they don't do, which may sound kind of counterproductive. But there was Becky did I think it was a top, drop toe hold onto a chair, but it right. was the chair was sitting up. Like okay, so I'm gonna explain this to the listeners that didn't see it can can picture it in their head. So imagine a chair that's sitting up normally that falls forward like a steel chair, like a wrestling chair, but still retains its its shape. So you've got, you know, the feet coming up. Open chair with the legs up in the air basically. Exactly. And so Banks went face first into it. And if she would have been a few inches to either side, she could have lost an eyeball. And it looked awesome, but it was one of those, oh, are we sure that was okay? Like, I hope this isn't, you know, something that we continue to do. It's kind of like Cody getting hit in the head. And like, I, I yeah. just, and she was perfectly fine, but it just, for that split, split second moment, like, I, it took me out of the match because I was not concerned about who was winning the match. I was concerned about Sasha Banks, whatever her real name is. I'm not sure, but I was concerned about Sasha Banks, the person. And I was afraid that she was legitimately hurt, but she was, she seemed fine. So this match is absolutely incredible. And that's right. when the pay-per-view ended, right? That's it. No more. Thank you so much what? for listening to Let Wrestle Life Radio, <laughs> episode 38. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, the next next match wasn't bad. I was going to say, I actually really liked the next match. Yeah. So. so the next match was a tag team match that 
became a tornado match, even though it was never announced as a tornado match, unless it was done like, now I watched the pre-show, it wasn't done on the pre-show, so unless like they announced it on Instagram or something, like, oh, now it's going to be a tornado match, which made the match better, but this is the most, and I, I don't think there's anybody that can argue this, and to be fair, I haven't been watching wrestling for 40, 50 years, as long as it's all been around, right? This has got to be the most poorly planned out pay-per-view of all time. And if there's one that's worse, that that has been planned worse, more poorly, please, please put it in the comment section just so I can go back and research it because I legitimately want to know. Because yeah, and, oh, and I think that's one thing gosh. that I left out uh, when I was going over the recap of the week, yeah. the week leading into this. Yeah, like we said in our uh, preview show, at the time there were only four matches. They announced one in the middle of the show, so th- we went in with four matches. They announced four more that same day. Yep, it was it was thrown together. So I'm astounded that two matches on the show were good. Yeah, uh, I am too. And it was like, two of the three that they pushed. Right. So. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a tornado tag match. Uh, maybe it was AEW rules. And they just, <laughs> which means like no DQ, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. So they basically just beat the crap out of each other for yeah. like 10, 12 minutes. It was awesome. The big guys, right. Harper and Rowan, uh, excuse me, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Cause thankfully they have their names back now. And uh, they single out Roman Reigns, get him down. They single out Daniel Bryan, uh, because he's a smaller of the two. This whole match was just so, so good. It was right. absolutely good. And I like the post-match stuff too. So go over it for us. Yeah. Like you said, it, it was a lot of uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper kind of taking out Roman Reigns and isolating Daniel Bryan working, you know, as a team, the Bludgeon Brothers uh, working as a team against Daniel Bryan, uh, getting heat um, against him. And Roman would kind of come back in and try to get a little bit of uh momentum and they, you know, knock him right back down and send him out. Uh, I mean, a lot of cool spots in this match. Uh, one where they, they, they fought to the outside and, you know, we're getting on the, they just started taking apart all the announce tables. They, they got up on the table they were going to power bomb Daniel Bryan through one table and they had sent reins to the outside of the barricade at this point. And so they were still kind of isolating him. They got Daniel Bryan out. They're going to take him out of commission. So they pick him up with the power bomb and Daniel Bryan, reverses it into a hurricane Rana, throws Harper off the table. And all of a sudden Reigns comes back alive, jumps the guardrail, jumps on the table. Harper, uh, Rowan is looking around like, you know, what, what, what do I do now? And Reigns runs across the tables, spears him off the middle table onto the last one. They both go crashing through and the crowd goes crazy. Um, just a really cool spot. It's probably, the, you know, awesome spot. Yeah. Just really well done. Um, so then uh, they get back in the ring and um, Daniel Bryan starts hitting uh, multiple drop kicks on Harper. He goes for a hurricane run off the top, but um, Harper catches him and turns it into a power bomb, which is also awesome. Um, and then the uh, the finish came when Reigns uh, was able to hit the Superman punch on Luke Harper. Bryan hit the running knee and Harper stayed up and Reigns was able to hit the ropes, come back in his spear and picked up the pinball victory. Honestly, I thought this was my match of the night. Really? I really, I really like this match. I think for a Hell in the Cell match, like the first match was also great. But like I said, there, there were some issues I had with the actual match, uh, even though both of them worked really hard and I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I'm not saying it's bad at all, 
But I just really – it's just a straight wrestling match and what these four guys had and just the pace they had and everything. I thought this was the better match overall. Um, but both of them were great. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, after the match, Daniel Bryan uh, – or I think it was Roman Reigns put his hand out for a handshake and Daniel Bryan pulled his hand away and kind of went in the corner and the fans were you know kind of booing him for a minute. And then he kind of turned around and had a change of heart, threw his arms out for a hug – and the crowd starts breaking out into a yes chant. And Roman obviously was apprehensive to start with, but then he finally gave in and gave Brian a hug, and the crowd went crazy. I thought this was great. Yeah, it was so good. It was really, really good. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. Like, it's one of those matches where, like, I thought could be good, right? Like, anytime Daniel Bryan's in a ring, the match is going to be okay at least. But I, I, every second in this match, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, this is just absolutely great. Like, I, this is everything I wanted it to be. Oh, and Eric Rowan, Eric Rowan snapped a pencil in half at one point. Symbolic <laughs> of, you know, snapping Daniel Bryan. And then, I thought he was going to uh, pull a Joker and like slam <laughs> Bryan's head into it or something. And then he just snapped it from the camera. on Twitter that it was like symbolic of him ripping open, ripping a pencil from the writers because they've been screwing him over for, you know, six, seven years or however long he's been with WWE. That might be uh, searching for something. I did like how the announcer said, like, symbolic of what he's saying he's going to do to Daniel Bryan. And I was like, ah, that's probably a little bit of a stretch as well. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) he's just like, I'm just going to rip this pencil because it looks cool. Yeah, I'll just say, like, (laughs) I mean, he's going to tear apart everything, and even even the pencils. So Uh (laughs) that's kind of how I took it. I loved it, though, because he looked right at the camera and just like, yeah, and snapped his pencil. It was really (laughs) funny. It was really funny. What I hope doesn't happen. Is I hope Luke Harper doesn't disappear again and Eric Rowan goes back to the mid card. Because wouldn't that just be WWE to give this ridiculously stupid, long, crappy, convoluted story that makes absolutely no friggin' sense come out with a good thing at the end and then ruining it all? Yeah, and I kind of thought it after this match as well. Like, I really enjoyed this match. Like I said, it was a good. You know, I, I think it's probably going to end the story between these guys. I mean, we'll see what they do, but um, especially with the draft coming up, I think that's probably what's going to end it. And maybe uh, I think Rowan and Harper could really be a good tag team in the uh, tag team division. They could go back to being the dominant, maybe not the Bludgeon Brothers again, but you know, just being a dominant tag team, and they could build them up again away from Brian and uh, Reigns. Uh, but but it's just funny after this match, I was sitting there and thinking, wow, like. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, it ended up being my match of the night. And I was like, I cannot believe this stupid, horrible storyline built to this match that was really good. Exactly. <laughs> like in a vacuum, this was great. But when you look at the whole story, it's like, how did we get from this dumb story that they had going on to here? I guess it just shows that like, just give it to wrestlers and let them do what they do. Cause they made this great even though the rest of this that was written or not written by Vince McMahon or whatever they were doing, that was so horrible, like just made it sound or look so stupid and everything. And then they turned it into this great match that, you know, culminated on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really just, it, it was so good. And we're just going to move on because we could just go back and forth and say, that's great. But it was, I think was trying to, uh, we just had fun. Yeah, I think we're just trying to stop. Uh, we know what's coming. Like, literally, <laughs> literally, this is the edge of the bridge. Like it's a beautiful bridge so far, and then we just stop building it and we just fall off the cliff. Like literally, the next segment, I think, it's just downhill from here. Actually, the next one wasn't so bad. 
Um, and it was really the last thing that I enjoyed. The next segment? No, no, not this next segment. The next match. Oh. So the next segment. Well, am, yeah. Am, am I forgetting something? Because the next segment I have listed is uh, Tyson Fury will be on Raw to address what happened on SmackDown. And then we go straight into the next match. Did I forget something? Uh, Seth Rollins had an interview. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> That's mainly what I was talking about. Like, um, do we want to talk about it? <laughs> the, the only thing I'll say is that, I mean, we've ragged on Seth Rollins the last couple weeks. They've built him like a dweeb against Bray Wyatt. But, like, again, we keep comparing because he's supposed to be the babyface. I mean, he's the champion. He's the champion of Raw. He's supposed to be the top babyface on this, you know, at least this show. And he's been running scared from Bray Wyatt, all this. And he's sitting here saying, I'm not confident tonight because I've never faced a man like Bray Wyatt before, even though they've wrestled before plenty of times. And he's just, he's just so unsure of himself. Like normally, even when he's been going against Brock Lesnar, he's, he, he said, he'll say like, I'm going to take a beating, but I know I'm going to come out on top in the end. Yeah. Whereas here, he's just like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, um, I, I've never seen a person like Bray Wyatt. Like it's just the most unconfident promo. I was just like, just go ahead and give up, then, dude. Yeah. Like wh- who? Who cares? That's really what I, we all anyway. want, anyway. Actually, that's not true. I want to see him get destroyed, <laughs> but I, I just uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just not a championship. I mean, like, just imagine a couple. You know, when The Rock was on top, and say it was Kane, he was going to get. Obviously, Kane's a monster. Yeah. He destroys people. But you know what The Rock said? He would look in the camera, he'd throw up his eyebrow, and he'd say, I'm going to whip this guy's monkey ass. And he would cut an awesome promo, and you know, you just be like, yeah, The Rock's going to get him. Yeah. Like, he's a monster, but The Rock can handle him. Yeah. Not Seth Rollins. No, he's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll see. I'll, but I'll burn it down some way. <laughs> it just, so, it just blows my mind. Do you remember, gosh, it's probably been six months to a year ago now, where Bobby Roode was kind of getting a singles push? And they went through this thing where he had to wrestle Braun Strowman and they gave him an interview in the back. And this is when Bobby Roode was like looking really strong. He was glorious. And his interview in the back, he basically said, there's no way I'm going to win tonight. I'm just going to try to survive. Literally. That's what he said. And I remember (laughs) thinking, oh, he's done. And he was for a long time. He got in some doofy tag team with Chad Gable, who we also we all love Chad Gable. So he got in some doofy tag tag team where he made Chad Gable essentially shorty glorious. Okay, shorty G. And then he did <laughs> nothing for the longest time until like a month ago, where Paul Heyman's like, "Oh, I like that guy. Maybe I should do something with him." So I just, ugh, it's so frustrating. Um, yes. They talked about Tyson Fury. They said he'll be on Raw to address what happened on SmackDown. Tune into our show tomorrow. I'm sure that we will tell you all about it. Yep. Randy Orton versus Ali. This match was really good, okay? But, and there's a caveat to the rest of this show. And the problem with it is that none of it has been built up. This is just like a Raw. It's just like a regular Raw where there's a couple blow-off matches. So I can't say that this is as good as it would have been. It was just a regular television match. It was. Randy Orton's good. He's a man of inner. We all love Ali, right? It's good that he's in a, a match with Randy Orton, even though he lost. Um, he had this really awesome spot where he countered the RKO by essentially doing a handstand. So Orton goes with the RKO, falls to the ground, and Ali catches himself with his hands and doesn't quite get up for a handstand, but it, yeah, he counters it. It was cool. But then 
He goes to the outside, does his like rolling thing where he rolls inside, rolls right into another RKO, like right after, and got destroyed. The match was good, don't get me wrong, but it's just hard to 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 be really impressed by something on a pay-per-view, on a hell in a cell pay-per-view, when it has no built up. Although the ending right after the RKO, where Orton just kind of turns around and looks at Ali like, yes, son, I'm still the man, and then pins him, that was really cool. I mean, I guess I didn't like this match as much as you. I didn't think it was a bad match, but I didn't like the finish. Uh, like like okay. I said, it, did, oh, it didn't have any build. Um, it was just kind of thrown together literally on the pre-show. Uh, Orton is not he, – he's just not as good to me anymore without – I mean, I really enjoyed Orton with against, going against Kofi with the Lackey revival. I mean, he's still yeah, Randy great. Orton, but I don't know, like – I feel like it's just taking a step. Like he's just done with that now, and he's just taking a step back. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, fine match. Um, I, I like the spot where he counted the RKO, and I thought it was yeah. cool. But then he just like rolls and jumps in the air and just gets hit with another RKO, and I was just like, all right, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't like Wait, that. You got to know better. Than yeah, that. and then like I said, R- Randy Orton just like looked at him like, yeah, son, and just pinned him. So it was like, okay, well, it was a cool spot, but. You know, it, it's the same result. So, yeah. yeah, I thought it was fine. It wasn't, you know, bad by any means, but no build and no no excitement for it. So it was just kind of like, meh, yeah. to me. That is 100% true. And then, speaking of no build at all, we get the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, who Alexa and Nikki have already defeated, by the way. But the problem is there are four female tag teams in all, all of WWE, not including NXT. Between Raw and SmackDown, you got four. You've got Alexa and Nikki. You've got the Kabuki Warriors. You've got Mandy and Sarah. Not Sarah. What, Sonya. What's it? Sonya. Mandy and Sonya. And uh, the Iconics. Because obviously, Bailey and Sasha, even though they're partners, aren't in that division. And, so those and Dana are your Brooke guys. and Sarah Logan every now and then. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. And so... What would be great would be Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. That would be fun. Yeah. would love to see that. But they just decided to destroy the Riot Squad for literally no reason. Either way, the Kabuki Warriors won here. And I have a huge problem with this, and let me tell you why. Okay. First of all, Asuka might be my favorite female wrestler in all of WWE. All right? I love Becky. I love Charlotte. I love Alexa. And I could I could name more. Asuka is probably my favorite. I absolutely love Kyrie Sane. She's so good. She's so entertaining. Her finisher is so awesome. But I didn't know that it was so possible to hate a team so much when you love the parts. You love the parts, but you can't stand the actual team. Their music is awful. It makes me want to rip off my ears when I, every time I hear it. And I just, I hate them together. And Paige, in my opinion, and I know some people disagree with this, and I know Rain does because I was talking to her about this. Paige made it worse. I can't stand them together. They just, they're, they're, they're heels now, by the way, just randomly. Yeah. Asuka, who's been a face the whole time. And Kyrie Sane, who I don't think has been a heel in WWE, just decided, oh, we're, we're going to be heels now. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. And so at the end of the match, I mean, they're doing eye pokes and all kinds of crazy stuff throughout the match. In the match, Asuka 
Asuka, the lady that made Becky Lynch tap out at the Royal Rumble and then did nothing else, nothing, because she lost to Charlotte Flair so we could have that stupid, I don't want to say stupid, it was fine, that women's main event for WrestleMania. It it just hurts. And I I can't get all my rant out because, boy, we got to get that main event, huh? (laughs) But I just, oh, man, I hated it so much. And I I think what it is, really, is I want Asuka to be on top again, and she's never going to be in this tag team. And I want Kyrie to get hers, too. But we stick them in this stupid tag team because good Lord knows we need bodies. So we take one of the best, if not the best, women on the roster and another very talented woman. And we put them in this stupid tag team because they're both Japanese. I hated it. It was awful. <laughs> so I-, I thought this, so when they started, you know, when they announced the match, I actually thought, okay, well, this makes a little bit of sense because if you remember the Kabuki Warriors, it didn't come completely out of nowhere because the Kabuki Warriors did beat Mandy and Sonya a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. They did. So what they freaking do? I, so I was like, okay, when they when they announced this match, I was like, all right, so that at least makes sense. They're like, okay, they beat the former number one contenders, so maybe that's why they're putting them together. However, I agree with you and was furious at this because number one, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, though Alexa Bliss never had like a huge babyface turn, Nikki's always kind yeah. of been a face, uh, but people thought that Alexa was taking advantage of her, and then they kind of formed more into a team, and then you could kind of see Alexa warming up to Nikki and then, you know, they've kind of built it along the way. So I could actually buy, I've seen a lot of people saying like, you know, Alexa Bliss didn't have a face turn. Now she's just suddenly baby face. But I think you could argue more that she slowly turned into, you know, being able to like Nikki. Nikki hasn't really changed at all. Uh, Right. They've been sassy at some points and, you know, Alexa Bliss has always kind of been like that and she still kind of is, Um, but she's had more of a face turn. And I think the crowd has gotten behind him too. And they just kind of made that full face turn, I think, and we're starting to get the crowd behind them. So that's one thing. The other thing is, like you said, the Kabuki Warriors are just heels out of nowhere. I mean, not even, there's no question about it. They are full-fledged heels in this match, out of nowhere. Not only did they just make them heels, like you said, Asuka, everybody loves her. She's a great wrestler. She's very entertaining. She could probably be a believable heel, but they haven't turned her at all to give you any reason to. So why would the fans think that way? So exactly. they love her. And Kyrie Sane is the most natural baby face woman on the roster. Probably. Yep. You know, besides like maybe Bailey, uh, but even yep. Bailey could be a heel, but Kyrie Sane is so lovable. Just like looking at her. <laughs> she yeah. was, and I was sitting there. I'm like, they are just made them heels all of a sudden. Yeah. And for no reason. So I'm sitting here. I don't have a problem with them going heel. I just want them to build to it. Exactly. And uh, like I said, give us a reason to not like them. Uh, and they right. did that, you know, a little bit, you know, we'll talk about in our Raw review. When they came out on Raw, it was, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, they, they were able to show a little bit of more of their heel side. But just for the sake of this match, they just turned him heel. And that's what, yeah. you know. So, I mean, it was a fine match for what it was. It was just weird because – the fans, I think, were wanting to cheer on both teams because, like I said, they liked the Kabuki Warriors going in this match. Yeah. Um, basically, what what ended up happening was uh, Nikki Alexa kind of you know got beat up to, you know during the match, and Nikki Cross got the hot tag, came in, and you know was taking everybody. Things kind of broke down, and uh, Alexa was on the apron and flipped on to Kyrie Sane and kind of took her out, and then Nikki Cross turns around and gets the green mist in her face, and this is where yep. another which. Finishes on the show 
there's a pattern of like, I don't know if it's overthinking or underthinking or what it is, but <laughs> there's a pattern after these first couple matches where these finishes were just awful. And this was another one because she used the green mist, the, uh, the, uh, the Japanese style, you know, we've seen a lot of Japanese superstars use Pajiri the green mist. and great Muda. Yeah. This is, this is the start. All of the rest of the matches had screwy finishes except for one. Right. All the rest of them except for one. So she does the green mist, uh, you know, hits Nikki with a kick. She goes down. And the referee's turned around. She, I mean, Nikki is covered. It's not like Asuka was able to cover her face up that had, you know, the green mist on yeah, it. Asuka also and has it all over her face. She's got all over her face. It's like running down her chest. It's like bleeding out of her mouth, basically. Yeah. Everywhere. And, I mean, Nikki looked like Shrek, basically. She was so green. <laughs> like, so she covers her. The referee just counts it. He's like, okay. And then they just get out of the ring. And I was just like, how is this not? Is it like... Uh, yeah, I was just so confused. Green Miss is probably, I mean, I guess not a disqualification, but uh, whatever. So I, I and think it probably is. You're basically think so. spitting it, in someone's face. Poison, and they apparently, because it, it hurts their eyes, supposedly. So, uh, yeah. And it led directly to the finish, but the ref was just like, all right. And uh, yeah, so Kabuki Warriors won. I was disappointed because, A, like I said, I like Alexa, and especially with her and Nikki finally gelling as a babyface team. I thought they were starting to kind of get over with the crowd as a babyface team. And they just beat them here against yeah. new heel Oscar and Kyrie. So I was just like, what was the point? So it was, it was really stupid. Yeah. So thumbs down for me. Yeah. Really dumb. Uh, speaking of dumb. So they announced the Viking Raiders and a mystery partner versus the OC. And I said, I think it was me. One of us. Well, said, I, well, I said I said on the preview show, you know, we were talking about possible matches that could happen, yeah. and I was like, you know what, they they could do a match because Viking Raiders have beaten the OC, you know, a couple weeks in a row, and AJ's beaten Cedric. I was like, they could do a match with Cedric and the Viking Raiders versus the OC, and that was kind of one of my predictions. And so when they announced Viking Raiders and a mystery opponent versus the OC, I was like, oh man, I must be right. They're actually yeah. going to have the Viking Raiders and Cedric team up. And then you correctly pointed out, well, then why is it a mystery? That's right. And That's I was like, uh, I was kind of like, yeah, that is kind of strange. And then as soon as it happened, I texted you and said, well, no wonder it was a mystery because it is dumb and makes no sense. <laughs> so uh, it was Braun Strowman. I mean, just like for no reason. Like, are, is he friends with the Viking Raiders now, or does he just want to give someone these hands? Like, what? What? I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you why. They I mean, this if, match, if you're gonna put somebody with a, with Vikings on this, you know, show, yeah, Braun Strowman looks like a Viking, but you know, yeah. still, it, it's, in story, it makes no sense. Um, but the reason they they did this is so he could he could get that finish, that punch on AJ at the end, and build his his fist with Tyson Fury. Well, so stupid. Matt, you say so that. So stupid. <laughs> you say that, but the match goes on. It, it, it's basically, you know, your run-of-the-mill raw tag match. That You know, the, uh, the Viking Raiders look pretty good as always. And AJ Styles, you know, he looked good. But then basically the finish came when um, Stro- like Strowman was basically beating everybody down. And then the OC was able to come in the ring and just start beating him, you know, beating down Strowman, a three-on-one. Cause they, they and the got fell immediately. Immediately. I mean, immediately, like the O2 in the ring, and he's like, get out. And they're like, nah. And he's like, all right, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, no five like, count, no anything. And yeah, just rang the bell. And then 
what was just dumb was at the end of it. So they're beating up on Strowman. The Viking Raiders were able to get back in and help out Strowman. They had a double suicide dive on Gallows and Anderson. And uh, then Styles went for the phenomenal forearm on Strowman. And Strowman punched him with the right hand, like you said, to build up Tyson Fury. You know, that whole situation that's going to happen on Raw. Yeah, and he like, after he does the punch, he stands over AJ. He's like looking over at his fist as his fist is raised. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's like he couldn't punch Luke Gallows. He couldn't punch Carl Anderson and get the win here. Like, what was the point of a disqualification? Uh, there None. was no point. They're building None. Strowman and Tyson Fury, but he can't even get the win. Like, <laughs> <sighs> well, see, it took three men to take him down. That's why they were disqualified. Yeah, no, stupid. It's yeah, stupid. Just don't. But there was there was one good thing that came out of this, and it is drunken loopy AJ Styles. Because after after Strowman and the Viking Raiders leave, like Carl Anderson and and Luke Gallows are helping him up. They're like talking to him and he just like looks at him and says, what? And like, I can't explain it and make it sound funny, but it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And like, they're telling him, oh, hey man, it's Sunday. You're in California. And like, he's like yelling at them. I'm fine. And then he's, you know, falling over. He can't get out of the ring without falling out. And like, so they're, they, he has his arms around both of them and he's like, He's, he's like my belt and turns around and instead of grabbing Luke again, he like puts his arm around the ref and then they get up to the top of the ramp and he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And raises his belt in the air and then like falls backwards. Like it sounds so goofy and ridiculous. And maybe it's because I love AJ Styles and I'm biased, but I thought it was so funny and I loved it. I mean, he's a great entertainer, obviously. He's but, so good. Um, it was unnecessary, but if they're going to do it, he made the best of it. Right. Um, but it just goes to show you how great WWE doctors though, because they were letting him wrestle the next night on Raw after he I was know. knocked out and probably had a concussion here in storyline. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Made no sense. No sense. Um, you Would you like to talk about the next segment, the 24-7 segment? It was great. <laughs> sure. It wasn't uh, great. Well, <laughs> it was Street Profits in the back, which I'm so over the Street Profits. Me too. I love the Street Profits, but I'm so sick of this stuff. Like, get in the ring or just don't be on the show, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I mean, I have I mean, I mean, have a feeling they're going to get drafted, you know, in the upcoming draft. And they're actually going to wrestle because they've, they've lost the NXT tag titles. and But, yeah, it's – but they're annoying in these segments. Just them – like, they're just, they've just become annoying to me now. So, they're back there talking about, you know, the Tyson Fury thing or whatever. When R-Truth and Carmella run in. And then, like, to me, just – Runs up and rolls up Camilla, Carmella and wins the uh, 24-7 title. And she just runs away. Actually, no. She ran into Tyler Breeze. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he just looked at her. And he, she clocks him. Yeah. Well, that was so, it. <laughs> Tyler Breeze called up from NXT for a second time to get punched by Tamina Snuka. I mean... Well, where's Tamina been? She's just, she's hanging out, waiting for her time for the 24-7 title. I haven't even seen her... Has she been no in the crowd idea. of women chasing Carmella? I haven't even noticed. I don't I don't think so, but honestly, I don't know. Like, Tamina's one of my least favorite wrestlers on the roster. Yeah, she she's very so. similar to how like Alicia Fox was to where I don't yeah. even notice her anymore and she's just like there. I think she's there because she's a snooker and they don't want, you know, they're just letting her do her thing. Yeah. So I have no clue. Yeah. No idea. But um we had Shorty Gable. Versus King Corbin next. And we know he's Shorty Gable. 
because that's what King Corbin kept calling him, and he christened him that. So before the match starts, he grabs the mic. He does his reg. Now, I want to say my problem with this match, and again, I feel like I have a problem with every single match almost in the, on this card, is this is the exact same thing that we've been seeing for weeks. And this is like the fourth time it's happened. Mm-hmm. Eric Corbin gets on the mic. He tells a couple short jokes. And I mean, some of the worst short jokes I have ever seen, I've ever heard in my life. Like, they had example, a writing like, staff. Yeah. In this yeah, company. A television. A tele- He's like, I don't want to belittle you, although you're good at being little. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like something a five-year-old I would tell. I could have gotten away, like, I could have handled the, I don't want to belittle you. Like, he said that and I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he and then followed it up with, with that second line and I was just like, oh. <laughs> That's so bad. Like, it, was just it wasn't so great, bad. the first, you know, the first line, but I was like, fine. And then he kept, just kept going and I was like, oh my God, just stop. And like, I don't want to take credit for this because it was all over Twitter, but everyone was like, he didn't even say I took this match on short notice. And like, that would have been clever. Would have been absolutely clever. If you got to make a dumb short joke, that's a good one. And he didn't, he didn't do the absolute obvious one. Like they threw him a bone with this one. And like, I don't know if this is Baron Corbin coming up with this. It's probably not. Or if it's this ridiculous writing team, or if it's Vince McMahon, it probably is. And yeah. coming up with these terrible short jokes. And I just, it doesn't matter. The match was fine. It wasn't their best match, oh, even boring. though all their matches are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the reason it was boring is not because it was bad. It's because this is like, I think the fourth time we've seen this. Right. And it was kind of the same match. It even had the same ending as the last time Gable won. He won with a roll-up because you have to have one on every WWE show. And I just, I, uh, I just don't get. So, I, I kind of said it a couple weeks ago. I didn't understand why, because Chad Gable, when he was going through the King Arthur tournament, nobody really bought him as you know contender, but he kept winning, and the fans yeah. started to get behind him, and they pushed him all the way to the end. And you know, I, I didn't really like, you know, them knocking out the stars like Samoa Joe and Ricochet and Drew McIntyre who. A lot of, I mean, Joe and Max are, we haven't seen in weeks now that I'm thinking yeah. about it, but, um, I mean, they knocked out all these stars and, you know, the end was Corbin and Gable. And you would just think on paper, if I would have told you the, what the finals are going to be at the beginning of the tournament, you would be like, what? This is stupid. But you know what? Yeah, exactly. They had, Corbin had good matches. Gable was able to get over his baby face and it actually led to a pretty good, you know, finals match and like something that you could, you know, believe in. And at this time, Gable was you know, the fans were behind him. He was starting to get over. Corbin had his heat like he normally does, but he already had his heat. I mean, what, what did this crown that he eventually won? What did it do for him? It did nothing. He's Corbin still, he just has a crown and a a cape. Now he got killed by the rock, but he's still the exact same guy. It's done nothing for him. And what, what has it done for Chad Gable losing this match? It made him worse. No, no, no. Chad Gable won the match. No, and no, I'm talking about they're losing the King of the Ring match. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It could have elevated him by winning that. And then maybe Corbin gets angry, and then they have a feud, and Gable comes out on top afterwards. But, right. But even leading to this match, it makes no sense because uh, Gable ends up winning this match, like you said, with a roll-up. So it's like, okay, Gable is like, he wins this match now? Like, why couldn't you just put him over as the King of the Ring to start with? Like, why is he even winning this match now? Like, he's dead, yeah. he's done, he's... 
he didn't win King of the Ring, so what does Corbin even care? Yeah, so, so basically the match was pointless. It was boring because Corbin put in like multiple rest spots, like chin locks, like he normally does. I mean, it's dead because like we've seen it, like you said, we've seen this before. Yeah. Gonna, you know, whatever. And Gable ended up winning, and you know, the fans kind of like that, but it's just dead. Like it, the story is dead for Gable. I mean, I hope he can build something, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say basically after the match, uh, <laughs> which is also stupid. The announcer even said when he won the match, he yep. announced him as Shorty Gable, the winner. Yep. And I'm just tired of these stupid short jokes. I mean, there, it's, yeah. it's just to give Vince McMahon a pop basically. basically. And uh, so he Shorty Gable's the winner. He, he uh, has an interview backstage with, I believe it was Kayla who also called mm-hmm. him Shorty. Yeah. Which is just hilarious because she's like four foot eleven or something like like she's tiny. Yeah. Well, the thing that was, and I'm going to let you finish your thought. But the reason this came about is because when Baron Corbin was making his short jokes, he called him Shorty Gable, and he's like, "As the king, I christen you Shorty Gable." So I guess since he's the king, everyone's just going to go with it now. Yeah. Like, what is it? I mean, was the announcer afraid he, Corbin was going to beat him up if he didn't call him? <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. so. Kayla calls him, you know, shorty. And then Gable was even like, you know, it, it, it could have been positive. Cause you know, even though Gable won this match and nobody cared about, he could have said, you know, like he, cause he eventually said in the, the interview, you know, I'm fine with you. If you call me shorty, it doesn't matter. Cause I won. you know, that he yep. could just say that and get, you know, walk away. I'm, you know, and he's, you know, he had a couple short jokes himself, which were fine. And he said, you know, finally that Corbin saw that I'm, the, you know, I may be short, but I'm the bigger man. You know, yeah. good line. I was, and he starts to walk away, and I'm like, you know what? He can walk away from this. Maybe he gets, you know, in the draft somewhere, goes to another show, has a good feud, and he can build off that. It, it could have a positive. But Correct. no, they couldn't. They couldn't just let him go. He walks down the hall, and Corbin jumps him, beats that dog crap out of him, and leaves him for dead. Yeah, threw him, threw him up against the bin, uh, like a, against a trash bin. So he didn't him. fight back at all. He's dead now. And it's just like, well, there that goes. Absolutely. <laughs> so he, yeah, so this was very, completely pointless, wasted everybody's time. Gable is shorty now. He's a loser. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's so infuriating. But yeah, anyway. It was really, it was really stupid. Yeah, uh, I, I just and I hope that Chad Gable wasn't ruined from this. And honestly, I kind of hope Baron Corbin's not too, because he was finally, finally coming around. Like, take the microphone out of his hand, let him do the big man versus small man thing. All of his matches, all of them in King of the Ring were very entertaining. And I just like all these short jokes are just making me hate him again. Like, not not oh, I hate him because he's a bad guy. Like go away. I don't want you on my TV. Kind of like Shane McMahon. I just, I don't know. I don't know. So good job, WWE. You took two potential stars and threw them in the trash bin. Congratulations. Well, it's way more than two, but well, (laughs) (laughs) two in this match, in this segment, living in a trash bin now. (laughs) So we have, they're going over, I think it's at this point in the show. Yeah, it is because Bailey's in the ring. So next we have Charlotte and Bailey, and then they're announcing like all of the, all of the, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The announcers. The international commentary. Yeah, they go through the international commentary teams and they go through all of them. And then they get to the end with a Japanese team, which includes Kung Fu Nucky. Number one announcer. Yeah. Yeah. And so who, 
either has an incredible sense of humor or is totally okay with things that, you know, tread the line of being racist. And like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and I'm going to tell you about what WWE? happened. Yeah, racist? Exactly, exactly. What? I'm going to tell you what happened in this segment, and I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't find it racist, but a lot of people did. And the reason I didn't find it racist is because what I'm about to tell you. But I do want to point out that if you found it racist, that's fine. I get it. I do get it. So Tamina comes out, and she's like running away with a 24-7 title, and she runs past the the all the international commentary teams, and she like grabs Funaki. She's being chased by R-Truth. And she grabs Funaki, and like at first she's like holding him hostage, and then she kind of pushes him forward. And R-Truth does all these like ridiculous karate kid type things, like holding his hands in the air like the crane and and kicking and stuff. And then so Kung Funaki just kind of fights back and does a pose. And so R-Truth puts his hands together and starts bowing. He's like, no, no, I don't want any. I don't want any. Which, okay, I get why you would find racist, but it's R-Truth and he's just dumb. So I, I didn't find it racist, but again, I'm, I'm a white dude, so what do I know? Uh, yeah, but then, so basically what happened was uh, Tamina turned around, Carmella kicked her in her face, and then she tells R-Truth, pin her. R-Truth pinned, and now it's she is the 20-time, or he is the 20-time, 48-7, TV European, intercontinental champion. Did I get them all? I think I missed some. Uh, who cares? So, so, so tell me, so tell me, and, and I don't want to touch because I don't. I, I know we don't touch this kind of topics a lot. But did you find it racist? Like a lot of people, and the only reason they even bring it up is because a lot of people on Twitter were like, "I can't believe the WWE did this," and I just, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find it racist at all. Am I wrong? I mean, he has, like you said, he's played a character, Kung Fu Naki. If you want to say that that's racist, you know, fine. He, but he's. It's it's kind of his character. Yeah, it's it's fine. It, it didn't bother me, but I mean, yeah. I'm also a older white male, so I can't. It's not my place to say like if it offended you know someone or not. Yeah, and it's okay if it did, and then we're sorry if we offend anyone by this. But at the same time, like it's not like you have you know who's a big hill right now, Dolph Ziggler, and there's you know a bunch of Japanese businessmen. He's going up there mocking them by bowing to them, right? It's not like that. It's a former wrestler who played a gimmick called Kung Fu Naki, uh, which which by the way was given to him by Our Truth back in the day. If you don't remember that, so. I don't know. I thought it was just good banter between two friends. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. So that, me either. Yeah. Good. Good. But yeah. Our truth back twenty four seven champion again. We'll see how it goes. And again, I remember when the title first came out, and I'm like, "This is going to be hot garbage." And I was wrong because it's been very entertaining. Now that our truth has it again, I'm hoping it's entertaining again. But part of me kind of thinks the twenty four seven championship has run its course. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's Jump the Shark. They had some creative stuff to begin with, um, but now it's just kind of very similar to how the first one, you know, with the hardcore title was. It's yeah. kind of, it had some cool moments, uh, but now it's just kind of people run into each other backstage. They hit them, roll them up. I mean, it's kind of not creative anymore. Um, yeah, but so. it is good at getting their name out there because like celebrities win it all the time and like Marshmallow won it and some of the ESPN guys won it. So, you know, I 
I kind of get that part, but I just want it to be entertaining again. Please bring back Drake Maverick, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, women's Championship match, Charlotte Flair versus Bayley. Um, I'm interested to see what you think of this match. Uh, personally, before you get into all what happened, I thought I thought that this wasn't the best match that these two women could have had. And like as I'm sitting there and watching it, like I, I turned to my beautiful wife and I said, I'm just... I'm just not impressed. Like it wasn't bad at all, but it was like move. Then you, you know, someone's down for a while and they get up, here comes another move. And then they're down for a while. And it was just kind of slow and methodical. And I feel like maybe it's because after Sasha and Becky was so good, I just feel like I just wasn't impressed. And I don't really know how to convey that any better. What did you think of this match? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I mean, there wasn't much build I mean, they've they've had like you know Charlotte's been kind of mixed in with Bailey with Sasha and Becky, you know. So they've had matches. Obviously, they had the one last month where Bailey was able to win after Charlotte was dominant in her hometown, by the way, and yeah. uh, she was able to run out with the title. And this one was just kind of, I mean, thrown together. You know, it was one of the the matches that was added while we were doing the show last week, the preview show. So, but I mean, nowhere near the build of like, you know, the Becky Sasha match. So, I mean, the crowd wasn't really into it that much. Uh, though they, they were into Bailey because, you know, she's from California. So it was almost a mixed, you know, crowd. And, and, and the ending again was just not, it was fine for what it was. It wasn't like a, you know, horrible ending, but it kind of came out of nowhere though, didn't it? Yeah. So, and then Sasha wins. I mean, uh, Sasha, uh, Charlotte wins. And uh, she, she's able to lock in the figure eight and Becky, you know, taps out. It was, it was after um, Bailey tried like an illegal pin on the ropes and the referee caught her and Charlotte just got up and booted her and put her in the figure eight. So she wins and she's got the women's title. You know, some of the fans aren't very happy because it's, it's Bailey's not her hometown, but her home state for sure. And yeah. she had some friends there, even though she's a heel and Bailey just rolls out of the ring and she's crying. And uh, just like kind of Sasha had done earlier and, Charlotte gets out and she's, you know, just a jerk to her. So she comes yeah. off as, you know, a horrible person. And I know they don't get along, but still like it's, you know, whatever. Like I just didn't like either of the, either of them after this match was over. So it, it was fine for what it was, but. Bailey did say not, you know, not purposely on camera and not with a microphone, but she did say, are you effing kidding me? Which I feel like a friend of the children wouldn't say. So maybe that's a hint at a, a, a deeper turn. Oh, they got to learn these words. A deeper turn. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's like, what does that mean, Daddy? Oh, just don't don't say that word. Like, we'll talk about it later. But Bailey said it. <laughs> <laughs> we love Bailey. She's the hugger. Uh, it, yeah. Give me an effing hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And for the sake for Matt not having to bleep it, I, I bleep myself. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate Even that. that. Yeah. Um. So here we are. We're about almost we're almost an hour into the show. And here we are with the main event. Now we're into our show. We're like what, two hours and forty five minutes into the main show, into the hell on a cell? Yes. And so Seth Rollins comes to the ring. And he's got a pretty pretty solid reception, right? Yeah, it was good. And then some booze. Yeah. <laughs> a couple booze. And then the fiend comes out. Very loud, very loud cheers. Very wonderful. Um, I do want to point out that the cell was red. 
and you sent me a message and said, why is this cell red? And then after the fiend gets in with his awesome looking lantern and everything and his entrance is great and the lights are all red. And my wife said, oh, that's why it's red. And I think she might be right. I've heard some people say that uh, it was easier to see through than the standard gray cell, which I don't I don't know why it makes sense, but I saw a picture of someone there and it is easier to see through. So I don't know why that's the thing, but um, this match, I, I on the preview show, we said, man, they can't screw this up, can they? Like, it's just so obvious what to do. And it's not just us guys. I mean, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts and uh, I have some that I'm a big fan of. And on multiple wrestling podcasts, literally everyone that I listen to, they said, it's just so easy. You can't screw this up. The Fiend wins. There's literally nothing else you can do. But who boy, there was. There was something else to be done. They would do something, all right. And I just, I can't explain this match. After I finished watching this, so, and I know I said at the beginning of the show, we just finished watching Hell in the Cell. Um, I, I, we did finish watching Hell in the Cell, but we've slept since then. And I'm not going to lie to you, I couldn't go to sleep. I finished the show at midnight because I started a little late. And I didn't go to sleep till 2 a.m. because I was so angry. That, <laughs> it, it makes no sense. You were as red as those lights in that I cage, man. I was Matt. so mad. <laughs> and it doesn't even make any sense. And here's why. Wrestling's a television show. And I, what I think people don't understand when they say wrestling's fake is to a wrestling fan, especially to someone that's been watching wrestling for as long as us, we get really invested in the characters. So imagine watching Avengers Endgame, and at the end, it was the biggest, dumbest dump dumpster fire that you've ever seen. And I know some people didn't really love Avengers Endgame, but I don't think anyone hardly said that was the worst movie. I can't believe they ended this 10-year journey on this. Well, I've been watching wrestling for 20 years and sometimes when they do really dumb things it really bothers me and it's very rare to make me angry i'm usually just disappointed and i'm like well that was really stupid and then i'll get over it in five minutes i was fuming and i was fuming over a television show because the guy that owns the company did exactly what he wants to do he does not care about his fans. And let me tell you, this is not my rant, ladies and gentlemen. My rant's coming, and I'm going to tell you all about what I thought about this match, and I can't wait to do it. But I got off on a little tangent because I'm still it, – it's been 24 hours now, and I'm still furious. So before I get into my rant, because I know you have stuff you want to say too, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us how the match went? You go ahead and tell us your thoughts, and then I'll do the same. So, yeah, like, like you said, uh, Seth comes out, there's a couple boos, you know, for him here and there, but Bray Wyatt comes out and he's mostly cheered. Uh, and yeah, like it was weird that the cage was kind of red. I think this was like the first time they did it. They may have done it another time, but I can't remember it. Um, but I thought it was fine and it made sense with, especially with the main event, but they, he got the Sin Cara treatment. Like you said, the lights were down and you, you said they probably did it because it's easier to see, but then in the main event, they turned out all the lights and just blasted a red light on the cell. So why even make the cage red for the main event if you're just going to blast it with red lights anyway? Like it probably would have looked red regardless. 
So I, I thought something was messed up and they just couldn't get the house lights on for a while. And then I was like, oh no, they're just doing this now. So yeah, it's a, you know, the, it's lit red. And basically the story of the match um, was that Bray Wyatt, the fiend was an unstoppable monster. Uh, basically everything Seth tried to do on him, you know, he just, he just ate it and kept coming back for more. Uh, there was a yowie wowie chant that broke out at one point. Um, and you know, Wyatt definitely got some offense in, but then, you know, at some point in the match, Seth started kind of taking over. There also, <laughs> there also was a spot where Wyatt went under the ring and pulled out a giant mallet, which, you know, we'll get back to in a little bit, but he pulls a giant mallet, which, you know, I don't even know if, has he used that? He might've used it on Firefly Funhouse or something. Yeah. He used it to kill the rabbit, right? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, He used it to kill Ramblin rabbit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he grabs the mallet and doesn't even whack (laughs) Seth Rollins, but he just kind of pushes it into his stomach. Can't have that. Yeah. The, the announcers were saying he was trying to impale him with the, the mallet. And I was just like, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's a big giant round mallet. And it's, you know, so he uh, probably should have used a knife or something. Uh, but Rollins basically fought back and was able to give the curb stomp to Wyatt. And this started the downhill. Like once Seth was, you know, kind of got on fire and was hitting all these moves. Uh, I mean, he's hitting curb stomp after curb stomp, but Wyatt just kicks out of everything. At one, and, he cut out at one. Yeah, at one, just about every time. Yeah, uh, and he like, hit, and I, I, I'm not exaggerating here, at least a dozen curb stomps. At he least. hit 10 of them. Yeah. That's how many he hit. He hit 10 oh, curb stomps. Okay, let's well, say I lied yes. then, I'm sorry. Uh, but, I mean, hey, it's not, you know, hyperbole saying he hit a dozen. I mean, yeah, he's pretty close. Yeah, far off, yeah. Yeah, so he, he hit 10 curb stomps, not to mention all the weapons he used, and he hit the pedigree several times, I believe. Yep. He hit the pedigree, and, and then, like, he... Well, you'll get to it. In the yep. entire time, yeah. the fans are booing Seth Rollins. Yeah. They're just booing, because they're like... They're, well, A, they're thinking, there's they no way Wyatt's going to kick out all this. Yeah, they know what's coming. Yeah, so they're just booing, because they're just like, this can't be happening. And, you know, he keeps hitting Wyatt, keeps hitting Wyatt, keeps hitting him, he keeps kicking out. He brings in a ladder, a chair, a toolbox, <laughs> like the whole thing, minus the kitchen sink. And then finally, after you know his last resort, he goes to the ring and brings out it. <laughs> Mjolnir, basically, <laughs> the sledgehammer of Triple H. So he gets the sledgehammer, this iconic Triple H weapon. It's he's, so he's, he's stolen the pedigree gimmick. Now he's stealing the sledgehammer gimmick. Yeah. And uh, he teases like he's going to hit Wyatt with it. Wyatt's dead. He's under like chairs and all that stuff. The referee finally comes over. And he's saying, no, Rollins, don't do it. Actually, he said, no, Colby, this isn't you, which is Seth's real name. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, are they trying to push like this? Is I didn't even name? notice he said that, but that's sure, even worse. Yeah. He says, don't do it. This isn't you. I heard him say this isn't you. And I was just like, what are you? <laughs> he, <laughs> like, do you know what kind what of match is it? you? Yeah. Have you seen the Hey, have you seen the guy kicking up everything else? He's used a ladder chair. And now the sledgehammer. Oh. Yeah, he takes a toolbox <laughs> and smashing you. him in the face with it. So he's saying, this isn't you. And I was like, aren't you supposed to rep the match? Like, shut up. <laughs> just get out of the way. So, but Seth is like having, you know, second thoughts. And then finally he just goes crazy and he slams a sledgehammer down. And the referee just immediately calls for the bell. Immediately. Not immediately for a disqualification. Now, some people have said. No contest or whatever. Yeah. This was a no contest. They just threw the match out. 
you could have fooled me and several other people, including uh, Sean Waltman, who was watching on the watch along in the back, which if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's hilarious. He immediately basically says, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's just like, he's just shaking his head. And he's like, they're not going to invite me on this show back after, you know, this, <laughs> but how in the world do you have a disqualification in a Hell in the Cell match? Yep. It's literally sure what he said. Mm-hmm. And I'm right there with him. Like, and also I will say, so I listen to uh, wrestling observers, you know, podcasts and read the observer and all this. Stuff. I love wrestling observer and also follow, follow, uh, follow Brian Alvarez on Twitter. Who's with uh, wrestling observer. He actually, and I'll give him credit a few days before hell in the cell, WWE put out a poll that said, how do you think <laughs> the hell in the that. cell match will end? And one of the options was by disqualification. And yeah. he retweeted it and said, are you kidding me? Like, yep. is the, and he kind of had a sense. He was like, there's no way, but he kind of thought in the back of his mind that it might happen. Yep. And fans were, you know, he, he kind of, you know, talked about on the radio and stuff. He's like, fans are saying, Brian, you're an idiot like this. There's no way they would do it, but you know what? He was absolutely right. Oh, and it was such a telling poll. This stupid match ended in a disqualification, not to mention that it was just, you know, bad in general because of, you know, the way it was set up and just they ended a hell in a cell match. A man almost died. They fully was thrown off the top of a hell in a cell yeah. to his death. Almost. He almost Multi- shoot died. Like he almost legitimately died. Not, ca- not yes. the world of kayfabe. He almost legitimately died and they kept the match going. And, and obviously know, if something had seriously happened to McFoley and he was wheeled out, they would have just stopped the match. Right. But you know, they still like the referee didn't immediately call for the bell. And I'm, there's been sledgehammers. There's a, a clip on Twitter, somebody posted of Triple H breaking a sledgehammer over uh, Mr. McMahon's back in a yep. hell in the cell that wasn't a disqualification. Yep. Like, obviously, they didn't want Seth to lose now, but they didn't want to beat Bray Wyatt either. And you know what? It doesn't matter because they killed them both right here. Yep. And this is kind of going into – I've ranted already, but I'm really about to rant, and I'll let you join in, Matt, you yep. know, because – this is for all time, but especially for this week, my future endeavor, <laughs> not on Seth Rollins, not on Bray Wyatt, and not even on the referee. This is on WWE. And this is why I started the review by saying this was an important week. This is for WWE had the chance to win the fans back over. After all that had happened, this was their chance. And it's like they came out and just gave him the middle finger and just ruined everybody's night. Like they just had a golden opportunity here. Everybody wanted to see. And the main issue with WWE nowadays is they don't have any stars. They keep having to bring back The Rock, bring back Austin. Uh, who, actually, who I forget to, forget to mention, they lied about him being on SmackDown on Friday. They yeah. said he was going to appear, him, Sting, The Undertaker. None of uh-huh. them showed up. Did you, did so you hear Undertaker all this, say... Why people? Someone asked Undertaker, "Why were you not on SmackDown?" He said, "I was told I wasn't needed." The Undertaker on SmackDown. Yep. So they lied to the fans all week, and then we get like I said, this was their perfect opportunity, and they've had such a hard time building stars, mainly you know for putting the belt on somebody like Rollins or Reigns, and then just ruining them by writing them as geeks, as losers, as dweebs. 
And here we have something new. We have something fresh with Bray Wyatt, who's just taken off. The fans were so ready for him to be champion here. And they killed him dead in this match. They killed Seth Rollins because nobody cares about him anymore. They just, they've killed any chance they had at a star here with this stupid finish, with a stupid match with Seth Rollins. Like I'm just furious with the whole entire thing. They killed the show. It's just like the worst possible week that WWE could have had. And I don't think they know any different, which is the most infuriating thing. Yep. Because yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I'm baffled. I was, you know, and, and you know what? They, they, they're they going to try to say that, you know, Seth Rollins didn't win this match. You know, it was disqualification. No, Seth Rollins won this match because he was scared of Bray Wyatt. He was terrified of him. He didn't want to be in the ring with him if he could help it. He was running at every chance he got. But you know what? He got locked in the cell with him and he had to face him and he couldn't beat him. So what's the one way he could get out of this but a disqualification? And you know what? The ref gave it to him. He gets to keep his belt. Wyatt's injured and dead, apparently, or whatever. The sledgehammer didn't show up on Raw. So Seth Rollins won this match. It's like the the Hulk meme. I see this as an absolute win. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just, I was so, like you said, so furious at this. Because I'm just like shaking my head. We all wanted to see Wyatt win. The fans were booing the entire time. There was an AEW chant. There was a we want a refund chant. A huge restart the match chant when Wyatt finally got back up and you know was choking out Rollins. Nobody cared. It almost started a riot. And it, it's just I, I'm done with this. I'm done with this crap. There was it's also so a stupid. Really loud BS chant. But uh, not BS. They, yes. uh, they said those full words right on TV with all the little ears watching. And you know what? You know, the what? kids were probably saying it too, yeah, and I don't blame it, them. It was it was well deserved. And I I posted on Twitter after I had finished watching it. I said, you know what? BS and AEW and refund chance, they're well deserved tonight, and it's absolutely what WWE deserves. They absolutely deserve it for that horrible. And supposedly, uh, it's been said by the dirt sheets that this is exactly what Vince McMahon wanted. This is what he, this, this reaction is what he wanted. And they were booed out of the building for like seven or eight minutes. And my wife said, first of all, she said, I stayed up till midnight to watch this. And I said, I guess so. And my wife being this wonderfully sweet person, she is, she said, I feel bad for Seth and Bray for the, for the, the people, not the characters. Because they put on what they were given, and they're getting booed out of the building because the writing is crap. And I said, you're right. And I I literally, I've been so excited to watch Raw these last couple months because it's been so much better. And I didn't even want to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. And I'll tell you, we'll get, you'll get, we'll get to Raw tomorrow. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you guys, I fell asleep during part of it. And so wait for that review, but I don't know. So let me tell you what, what, and I've already been ranting, but I'm just, and I could scream and I could yell. And honestly, if I recorded this uh, last night or uh, after, after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, if I recorded this after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, I probably would have done that. But there's been so much of that out there. Um, And you kind of just did that for me. So I don't have to. 
And I just want to say this, all right? How many times can this stupid freaking old man shoot himself in the foot? Because eight years ago, he had this wonderful thing called CM Punk. And he was going to be the biggest thing in wrestling. And he goes, that's not my guy, pal. He's got tattoos and doesn't drink. And just ruins him and gives him this terrible, terrible reign and buries him so much that one of the greatest things that ever happened to wrestling just quits. He just quits. What about a little before that when we had a little something called the Nexus? The Nexus was the hottest thing that happened in wrestling since the NWO, as far as I'm concerned. And they went up against uh, John the Wall Cena and just lost. And they ruined it. What about a guy named Bray Wyatt? Does that name sound familiar? Because his original run was really... I'm getting fired up now. His original run was really, really good. And they ruined it. And anytime he held the title, he just looked stupid. He had that terrible WrestleMania match with Randy Orton where there were maggots in the ring and then or like maggots projected on the ring. And then Randy Orton is like, well, I guess I'll do snakes. Where did that, where did that come from? What about Sami Zayn earlier this year when he was doing some of the best promo work that I've ever seen? And my wife, who's a casual fan, hates Sami Zayn because now he's such a giant dweeb. He's just so bad. And what about the other guy in this match? What about Seth Rollins? And I know I always give Seth Rollins a hard time. But you know what? He's booked to look like a big dork. He's booked to look like someone that should never, ever, ever win. And when he does, it's almost so unbelievable that you can't buy into his character. And I could go on and on about how many times the WWE have shot themselves in the foot. And I kind of want to, but this show's running long already, and we have more stuff to talk about. It's going to be the longest show I think that we've ever done, except for maybe one of our original episodes. But just talking about it, it's just it's making me angry again, and I don't want to feel that way. And and a lot of people say, you know, people that that do wrestling podcasts want wrestling to be bad. No, no, I've been having so much fun. Why would we want to watch bad things? Yeah. I've been having. So I love movies. Like I love going to the movies. Yeah. It's like one of my. I've been so like so invested in like the Marvel movies that when they were coming out. Yeah. Uh, like it's, I love you know Star Wars movies. I I I just love movies in general. You know I I just love going to the theater and watching how stories play out. I'm a big story guy. I love right. video games. Seeing stories on there. These are awful stories. These are awful characters. Yeah. And you could just see the influence that this man has. This old man. Because look at NXT, how many people were basically stars in NXT. They were so over selling out buildings for NXT takeovers. Uh, Like, I mean, I've said like Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Enzo and Cass. They were huge stars. American Alpha, like all these teams that they had built up. And where are they now on the main roster? Yeah. They're either fired or losers. Yeah. Like it's, he takes things and, and it's not even... It's not even that they have to be the same that they're on NXT and uh, you know, he just, but he takes people and has to WWE them up. And like, it's like, it has to be a certain way. It has to be his way and it's not working. It hasn't worked for years. I mean, John Cena is the closest we've had to a rock and Austin. And it's just cause he's so charismatic really. Right. Um, Like you said, CM Punk was a perfect opportunity. 
Uh, Daniel Bryan, he kind of got it there, but it was in spite of the company. It exactly. wasn't because they wanted him. They there. didn't want him, and the fans demanded. They him. tried their best to get rid of him. Yeah, and it took the fans taking over the show, and then they they finally submitted and said, "Oh, it's the you know it's the yes movement." It's just like, no, the yes movement was just the fans, you know, in general. Yeah, because they were tired of seeing you know all their favorites, people who they would get behind get trashed. Like what? I mean, Zack Ryder, people were getting behind him. I'm not saying Zack Ryder could have been like a mega star, but they just immediately killed him yeah. after he got successful off of his YouTube show. They let the biggest baby and, face in the company kissed the girl that he was liking. It's supposed to be his best friend. And then they had the devil's favorite demon Kane while Zack Ryder was in a wheelchair, just literally throw him off the stage. They ruined yeah, I mean, it. there's just a list of guys. Like you said, with Nexus, I mean, where's Wade Barrett now? Not in WWE, not even wrestling. No, no. He was doing I mean, the general manager role for WCPW for a while, yep. and maybe he's still doing something like that. And one of your biggest potential anymore. stars is on the other show now because yep. he was so tired of it. And actually, that that's two more that I want to talk about. Let's talk about Chris Jericho first, just really quickly. And I know we're going long and we got more to talk about. But Chris Jericho left the WWE because he wasn't creatively satisfied. This is a guy that's been re- – that, that he became something in WWE, right? He was – he was amazing in WCW, but he was a nobody. He was wrestling cruiserweights that were also good, but WW, WCW refused to make him a star. So he came to WWE and he became a star. Then he has this amazing feud with Kevin Owens, this incredible feud with Kevin Owens. And he was supposed to get the main event slot. And then Lesnar goes, I want to wrestle Goldberg for the title. So they go, okay. And Jericho is was, you know, kind of upset, but was okay with that. But they give him and Kevin Owens, after this long, long feud, their big payoff is the second match of the card, which is the worst slot because the opener is not even a curtain jerker anymore. The opener is something to get the fans excited. So they give him the second match in the card, and he's frustrated. So he goes to Japan. He has this incredible run in Japan. He feels invigorated again at 45 or whatever he was at the time, years old. And he goes, you know what? This is a lot of fun. And his buddy Cody Rhodes calls him and says, hey, I'm going to have a show in, in Chicago. And I think you should show up. And he goes, actually, I'm loyal to Vince McMahon. I won't wrestle anywhere in the in the on, in the the on U.S. without his approval. And Cody's like, I understand that. No problem. But then he Cody says, hey, you can have this payoff for your Japanese thing and we'll, you know, for your Japanese match. And so Jericho calls Vince and says, I'm going to do this. And Vince is like, okay, whatever. So they go through this whole thing, and he's it all in, right? And then, so they go through, and AEW's starting. And so Jericho's calling Vince, who's not returning his calls. So Chris Jericho just says, screw it, man. Screw it. These guys are going to give me the biggest payday I've ever received in my life. I'm almost 50 years old. I don't have to be on the road anymore. Why would I not do this? Why would I not? And then let's talk about Dean Ambrose who was getting friggin' syringe shots in his butt cheek, wearing gas mask, saying that the crowd stinks. And he's like, you know what? If there was no other wrestling company in the world, I would stop wrestling because I hated it that much. And now he is the biggest thing in all of professional wrestling. There's nothing bigger right now than John Moxley. You know where he's where he's wrestling? On Wednesday nights at WWE's biggest competition. And that's where he feels like he he's he's 
doing something that he wants to do. He said that it's reinvigorated his career. And he says it's not about the money, and I believe it, and I'm sure he's making a lot of money. But he says, you know what? I've made my money. I'm going to go somewhere where I know I'm going to enjoy myself. And that's that's exactly what he's doing. And I'm so happy for these guys that were really put down in the WWE that are able to do something. If Cody Rhodes was given a shot in the WWE instead of wrestling as Stardust, which he was okay with for a time but didn't want to do it permanently, would there even be an AEW? I'd say no. No, and that's I was just going to say that. It, you mentioned Jericho and Moxley, but I think the biggest one is Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Like, like you said, he you know was given Stardust. He was like, yeah, for now I can do it. I guess it, it basically just evolved into Goldust, you know, two And he was like, I don't want to be Goldust. And he, at time after time, would come up with stories. I just want to be me. I've got storylines here we could do. I could get out of it. He would you know go away and then come back, and he would just be Stardust again. And uh, he he did it to the best of his ability, but he it wasn't what he wanted to do. It's not who he wanted to be. And WWE was just like, oh, we don't care. Yeah. This is who we want you to be. And I mean, he didn't like creatively. I mean, that's what WWE's been. They've just been stifling creativity for years now. I mean, that's why Punk left. That's why Moxley left. Why Jericho left. Why Cody Rhodes left. Why people have been asking for their releases. Why Sasha nearly left. Why Harper wanted to leave. Why the revival was going to leave. People just want to get out of there because it's so toxic. It's just not a good work environment. I mean, people aren't excited to work there anymore. No. People are willing to go back to NXT because they're tired of it. Yeah. And Cody Rhodes is, like you said, the biggest example of saying, screw this. I'm just going to go do my own thing, being reinvigorated, and then starting a whole nother rival company to really, though they won't admit it, but they are competing with WWE. Yeah. And I really hope that the fans... I mean, WWE is a staple. They're a big company, but I really do want to see a split in fans because, I mean, after this whole week, like I said, of the, you know, they had every chance in the world to show the fans that they, you know what, we see AEW coming. We know fans are satisfied, but we're going to give you what you want. Yeah. And instead, they gave everybody the middle finger all week with every show, with uh, with Kofi Kingston. I mean, which was one of the biggest ones, which is an fu to the fans, an fu to Kofi Kingston. I mean, so much so that people are giving him sympathy on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, or a, a fake wrestling match. They did this pay-per-view. They killed Bray Wyatt, who the fans were starting to get behind. They, they've they just killed everybody. And for what? Just so Vince McMahon can – and it's not going to get any better because the XFL is coming up. He's going to be busy with that. Uh, I, I just don't see – I really hope fans – like this causes fans to really think about – uh, you know what they want in a wrestling company because AEW is there waiting, and um, they've got issues. I'm sure uh, you know with their first show, and they're not a perfect show yet. But you know what? They at least listen to their fans, and they kind of give people what they want. You know, they they're they're not letting creativity be stifled, you know, by one person's vision, and they're an alternative. So we'll see what happens with this. But I mean, I'm. I'm so over WWE. I was very much like you when Rock, you know, came on. I was just like, like I'm just not, I'm not excited. Yeah, I don't want to watch this. And if we didn't do this podcast, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. So, um, and I do want to say one more thing, and we're going to move on, and we're going to end the show on a very happy note because we're going to talk about the best matches of the week. But I do want to say that WWE is also liars because we were promised Rollins and Mysterio and didn't get it. We were promised Lesnar and Kofi Kingston and technically didn't really get it. And then we were promised uh, big things for The Fiend 
and definitely didn't get it. But the best thing was as soon as the match was over, Matt Jackson of AEW fame says, remember AEW Dynamite Wednesday at eight o'clock. And I'm like, perfect. That's <laughs> that absolutely great. great. That is the best. That is the best. So Kyle. Yes. This absolutely wonderful show. We just, I mean, we, yeah, we've been ranting about for way too long. What would you grade? <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking. I already know what our answers are, but what would you grade this show? I mean, we've pretty consistently given like, I don't know if we might have given an A here or there. Uh, you know, they're pretty rare these days, at least in WWE. Um, B's and C's is kind of what we average on. I don't think I've given a D yet, but I'm going to tell you, man, this might be the, actually, you know what? No, it's not going to be a D. This show is an F all day. Now, I I thought, you know, the first, it was so hopeful because, I mean, we went over the, you know, the top, you know, the matches of the week. And uh, we, uh, you know, we talked about how good, you know, the, the first two matches were on the show. And I really enjoyed them. But man, the, the rest of it was just so bad and so unenjoyable for me. And the main event, it's just like spitting in the face of the fans. So... With that being said, I'm giving this show an F. I just, it's a failure. I mean, it's basically a 20% because of, you know, the first two matches being good, but everything else was crap on it. So I, I can't even give it a D. It's got to be an F for me. This show was forgotten about because. F for forgotten. F for forgotten because they announced three matches. And then the day before, they're like, oh, maybe we should announce more. So they announced Charlotte versus Bailey. And then after the show has started, or no, no, right before, excuse me, right before the show starts, they're like, we're going to have these four matches too. This is a pay-per-view, guys. This is a pay-per-view. I mean, they already started building up Crown Jewel before this. I know. Like they I, just, I just such an afterthought. And honestly... I think the show would have been better if it was like, un, you know, for very forgettable or an afterthought, but it yeah. ended up being, you know, infamous by yeah. how bad it was. I think it's fair to say that that will absolutely stay in our minds. And this blows my mind. It's the second year in a row that they've done some kind of bullcrap, stupid, no contest, DQ, whatever in the world it was in the cell match. Like I just, I just don't on get purpose. It. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I loved Becky and Sasha. I loved Becky and Sasha. I really, really liked the Tornado Tag match. And some of the other matches were fine. They just didn't matter. And this is a pay-per-view. It has to matter. F. F. You get an F, WWE. And you're lucky to get an F. Because if I could give you an F-, minus, you'd get that. Gosh. Just so, so bad. I just can't. Yep. So, we're almost an hour and a half in. And, and I'm sorry that this show has lasted so long. And I'm going to tell you guys, it's not over because we're going to talk about our top five and then we're going to have uh, Chris's thoughts, which I'm going to attach here at the end of the show. But just real quick, I want to go over it. So this was arguably the biggest week in wrestling in a long, long time with NXT's first two-hour show on USA, AEW's debut, the season premiere of Raw, um, the, the Fox premiere of SmackDown, and then Hell in a Cell. So... The three of us got together and we decided what we thought our best, our top five was. So we're going to do this like a snake draft, Kyle. So if you want to start, then I'll do Chris's, then I'll do me at number five. And then I'll start with number four, do Chris, and then you can end with number four and we'll do it that way. That sound good? Uh, so I'm starting with my number five first. Start with your number five and you don't have to go okay. into like big detail. Just 
tell me what it is and then give me 10 seconds on why you loved it. Uh, so my number five, uh, and it, you would think with the, uh, the amount of matches we had with all these shows over the week, that it'd be easy to pick at least five out. It, it actually not. took me. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, not good wrestling, mainly from the WWE side. Right. Uh, but, uh, for number five, I'm going to go with AJ and Cedric from Monday night raw. Um, I enjoyed the match, obviously more in a, more so in a vacuum, obviously, uh, it's a feud that's pretty much dead, but for what match they put on, I really enjoyed it. I thought they, you know, did a good job. It's really the match they should have had on the pay-per-view to begin with. Right. And um, I thought it was a good way to at least end whatever conflict they had. I mean, hopefully they ended it, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I actually had that written down as my number five and took it off, and I'll tell you what we're placing in a second. Uh, Chris, remember how you said you hated Randy Orton versus Ali? And I said, I thought it was pretty good. Well, Chris really liked it because this is number five match of this week. So, uh, which doesn't surprise me. I, 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 I really enjoyed it. Uh, honestly, it was probably number seven or eight for me. Uh, but number five for me, which replaced Cedric versus AJ, is Pete Dunne and Danny Burch from NXT. I absolutely love British wrestling, and I love how Pete Dunne does his William Regal stuff where he, you know, tears at the ligaments. He's ripping up the fingers apart. It's just, it's just so cool, man. I just absolutely love it. Danny Burch is a great wrestler. He does not get enough credit. Um, this match was incredible. Number four for me, I chose Pac versus Hangman Page. Um, this really should have probably been done at a pay-per-view, but you know what? If you're going to go in swinging, you better go in swinging. And this is one of the biggest matches that they could have put on. They've already been pushing this match because um, it was supposed to be at the first pay-per-view. And it was everything that I wanted it to be. Hangman Page, okay. who I don't know a lot about put on an absolutely amazing match. I know a lot about Pac. I've watched a lot of Pac over the years when he was Neville. His stuff is always good. Um, I really enjoyed it. Chris, for number four, has Io Shirai versus Mia Yim, which also almost cracked my top five. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really like Mia Yim, but I love Io Shirai, and I thought Mia really held her own in this match, and it was really good. What's your number four? Uh, this might actually be surprising. Um my number four is actually Lynch and Banks. Really? Um, not like I said, not that it was a bad match. Um, I really enjoyed it. And it was obvious. I mean, <laughs> obviously the best hell in the cell match on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and really one of the best ones in a while. Um, you know, definitely. I think it topped the Charlotte Banks um, match and it was a good blow off match. It was, you know, what it needed to be. It was a great crescendo to the feud. Um, so I really enjoyed this match. Um, but there were just a couple more that I enjoyed a little bit more. Um, so yeah, Lynch and Banks are taking my spot. And, um, as I said in our review, the one that I thought was slightly better than that match was the Reigns, Brian, Rowan and Harper match. And that's what I have at number three. Um, okay. just cause I really enjoyed, like I said, it's baffling that this stupid story led to this match. But as far as like the match goes, I just really enjoyed how they all worked together. The story of the match where they isolated, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan away from Roman Reigns and kept him at bay and uh, they were able to fight through it and find a way to win. So I just really enjoyed it. It had a happy ending, had a good, you know, finished it with a hug. So I was just really happy after that match. Um, unfortunately, I wouldn't finish the night happy, but <laughs> for that match it was. So so Chris has Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara at number three. And I can tell you why Chris really loved it, because at number three I have Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. And I said as I'm watching AEW that this was the match of the night. Um, and it just... And it didn't have nearly as many high spots as some of the other matches did. 
but it just told such a good story. Like just some of the little things like Sammy Guevara playing a really big hill, making Cody do a suicide dive into his own wife. And then Cody Rhodes distracting the referee as a baby face. So his wife can put her heel in her. She takes off her shoe and puts her high heel in Sammy Guevara's face, which usually is a very heel thing to do. But considering that he just pulled her in front of her husband it was it was just perfect. It, it made so sense good. in wrestling. Who yeah. would have thought? Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it was just so much fun. And then after the match, where Jericho attacked Cody and and Sammy was like, you know, going for a handshake, but then he backs off. It was it was just good. It was just good. Uh, number two, I've got Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle on NXT, and this was the match that actually was going up against Cody and Sammy at the same time. And I think your best NXT match and your best AEW match were literally happening at the happening at the exact same time. Um, I love Adam Cole, and I, I'm high on Riddle. I like him a whole lot. Um, I, I don't like him as good as some people do, but I think he's incredibly talented. Um, and boy, this was just such a good match. There were so many cool high spots. There were some spots that, like that rolling pile driver off the top, where I'm like, holy crap. Is this really happening? I hope they're okay. Um, this match was just so much fun. It ended exactly how it should have with Adam Cole getting the win, getting the clean win, making himself look strong, especially with Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa, uh, you know, peering over his shoulder. It, it was just so good. Um, Chris and I apparently have the same taste in wrestling because his number two match was Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle. All right. Well, similar. Um, I actually had Cody Rhodes and, um, Sammy Guevara is my number two. Okay. Um, like like you said, it, it was the best match of the night on AEW's debut show. I just really enjoyed uh, the story they told. And, and like I said, finally, Cody Rhodes was able to be the top baby face that he is and, uh, you know, act like it in the ring. And even though Brandy hit Guevara with her heel, it made sense. Everything about this match made sense. It was, you know, very entertaining. Guevara, though he visually for me lacks anything. I hope he kind of transforms a little bit because yeah. I am a big, uh, and maybe that's my the WWE fan in me uh, growing up. I do enjoy seeing like characters kind of, I, I'm not a big fan of just like the tights and boots, you know, just person. You have to have something else to go along with it. It works for the revival because they're old school, you know, but they all have, they both have personality, you know, to go along with it. Whereas Guevara, he was a heel and he came out with the Panda thing, but, once he took it off, he just kind of looked like a dude. Yeah. So, uh, but that's something they could build on, you know, down the road. So it wasn't that big of a deal to me. Um, I enjoyed the match. So he was a great heel in the ring, uh, worked well off uh, Cody Rhodes. And yeah, I really enjoyed the match. And then the, the match I thought was the only one better than that was the Riddle and Cody or uh, Adam Cole match. Um, okay. I, I love Matt Riddle. Uh, I, I really like Adam Cole. I thought they worked well together. Uh, if they were going to compete with AEW at all, this is the match they needed to have on the right. show. Uh, and they went out there and just tore the house down to start it. I mean, I thought it was, it went, it was a long match. It, you know, didn't have any commercial breaks. Um, it, it was just, you know, a knockdown match between these two. I really enjoyed it. So uh, I think it bested, the, you know, Cody and Guevara by a little bit. Um, but I thought it was a great match. Okay. Cool. Chris has Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks at number one, and so do I. That means we, we actually agreed out of all the wrestling this week, we put our top three in the exact same order. I don't even know how that's So possible. you're both wrong. 
<laughs> but I, I just, I'm a sucker for just car crashes. And I love Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. And I, we've already talked about this on this show, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But right. I just loved everything about this match. It was very creative. And again, they didn't use the cell as much as I wanted them to, but the whole thing just had me on my seat. I just had so much fun watching this match. And at the end of this match, I'm like, oh, this might actually be a good pay-per-view. Little did I know. So there like you go. I said, this, it should have been the main event. And uh, yeah. it was a very innovative and you know, it's very innovative car crash is a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and a great way to blow off the feud. Uh, it was very well done. I And like I said, it's not as high on my list, but I did really enjoy it. Um, I wish the rest of the show, like we said, reflected that, but unfortunately it did not. So what so. what that means is all three of us had Becky and Sasha, Cole and Riddle, and Cody and Guevara in our top five in some order. Right. So obviously all very good matches by very, very talented people. And go check them out if you haven't seen them because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're all really good. Yeah, re- really, Especially really good. Especially if you're as angry about uh, WWE as we've been this week. Yeah, if you didn't watch Dynamite, it's actually free on the TNT Drama app. So there's your free plug AEW. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 38 of Wrestle Life Radio. It is not over, however, because as soon as we give you our Instagram and Twitter accounts, you're going to get to hear Mr. Chris Cumby. And we're going to have the longest episode we've ever had. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay because we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to rant about. And I've been looking forward for two days about ranting about this stuff because I couldn't sleep because I was so flipping angry. You can follow Chris at WrestleLifeHill on Twitter. Kyle, where can they follow you on Instagram? At Kyle.Polly. You can actually follow me on both at WrestleLifeMatt, and you can follow us on Instagram at WrestleLifeRadio or on Twitter at WrestleLifePod, and you can even follow us on Facebook at WrestleLifeRadio as well. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Radio Public, or wherever you listen. You can even listen to what you're listening to listening to us on right now because we're definitely on there. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Here is Chris Cumby with his Hell in a Cell 10-minute review. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chris Cumby. I'm so sorry I can't be on the show tonight, but I did want to give my reaction to the Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, I wanted to grade each match. This is going to take very, very few minutes, I promise. Uh, I wanted to grade each match because it's just not fair to judge the good matches uh, based on the crap matches. Um, Just to start off, I'm not a huge fan of the Red Cage. It's kind of weird. Uh, I'm just going to go match by match. Number one, we had Sasha and Becky. And it was amazing. Uh, this was the best match of the night. Uh, reminded me of like the old school Hell in the Cell matches. Uh, the brutality was at an all-time high. Uh, Banks did this double knee into Becky as she was on the ladder. Uh, Becky threw a chair and hit Banks in the forehead, which was awesome because, number one, you know, Sasha's forehead's huge. Um, and then at one point, Becky set up these chairs on kendo sticks and then did a double drop kick. It was so, so good. Uh, with the Bexploder off the top rope onto a stack of chairs and disarm her for the win. You know, honestly, my only complaint about this match is that I wish it was longer and it should have been the main event. Uh, this match gets A++. Uh, it was fantastic. Loved it. Uh, next, we had the the Reigns and Brian versus Ronan Harper. And honestly, this was a pretty good match. I was... 
uh, a little worried about it. Um, I like that they changed it to a tornado tag match. I enjoyed that part of it. Both teams looked strong. Uh, some There were some really cool points, some really high points. I'm, I'm not sure why we needed the match. Um, if you have Rowan and Harper lose, other than just making Brian a full face again, that, that's the only point I could figure out for this match. Um, the hug at the end was really corny. It's kind of awkward, but anyway, it, it was what it was. And honestly, I did enjoy this match. So uh, I did give it a grade of a B plus. Uh, we <laughs> next we had Randy Orton and Ali. And honestly, this is my favorite male match of the night. This was really good. Both guys looked really strong. And, you know, if, if you say, well, why did they put these two together? Honestly, if AEW can book random stars together, so can the WWE, and I loved it. Um, Orton showed his brutality, and Ali showed his athleticism. Um, and, <laughs> dude, Ali's counter to the RKO was so cool. Uh, probably the move of the night. Even Cody Rhodes tweets, tweeted about it and talked about how great it was and how he took so many RKOs in his in his time. Um, but our, you know, Orton did get his RKO when Ali did his somersault roll in, and it was a thing of beauty. Honestly, this match was very, very good. I gave it an A-. minus. Uh, next, we have Bliss and Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors. Um, I'm really happy to see that the Kabuki Warriors have turned heel. Um, it was a short but decent match. Honestly, I thought it was pretty good. Asuka with the green mist, which was so cool. Such a, an homage back to the, um, the Asian wrestlers uh, of, of the past. Um, then a kick to the head to cross for the win. Uh, I gl- I'm glad to see them with the titles. I think it's time for them to have it. Um, and I think that they'll do more as heels than they ever did as faces. So they do need to change the music, though. I agree with Matt 100%. This one gets a B. Um, and then things start going com- completely downhill into complete pile of hot garbage. Uh, then we had the OC with AJ versus the Viking Warriors and Braun Strowman. Don't know why we had this match. It's a desperate attempt to have Strowman on the show. The crowd clearly took a bathroom break during this match. Uh, it did make the it made the Raiders and Strowman look strong, but it made the OC look weak. And the commentators even commented that they basically are nothing without AJ Styles. Um, and, of course, Strowman goes into the freaking post. I'm sure uh, Kyle and Matt are going to talk about that, and they should because it's retarded. Um, the OC triple teams Braun, and the ref calls for the disqualification. It was a stupid match. We didn't need it. And, honestly, it could have been on Raw. This was 10 minutes that could have been given to Banks and Becky. Uh, this gets a D-. minus. That's right, a D-. minus. Afterward, AJ played like he's being like he was knocked out. That was kind of funny. It's kind of like a drunk AJ, and it was funny. Uh, then we had the Street Profits. I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, Tamina rolls up Carmella for the 24-7 title, whatever. It was stupid. Uh, five more minutes that could have been given to Banks and Becky. Then we have Baron Corbin versus Shorty Gable. Uh, the STD st- chants were hilarious. Uh, the stupid short jokes by the STD king are ridiculous. The announcer who cheated on his wife with Carmella says that Gable is a vicious dude. So then asks, are you going to start chanting that? Indicating, let's start chanting VD since we're chanting STD. Uh, Then we have another match that should have been on Raw with uh, Corbin beating up on Gable and Corbin yelling at the crowd, the ref. And then the adulterer commentator just continues with the short jokes. It was stupid. Gable rolled up for the win. And then the announcer Hamilton announces him as Shorty Gable. 
so dumb. This is stupid. Another 15 minutes. And this 15 minutes really should have been given to Charlotte Flair and Bailey. This also gets a D minus. And then we have Charlotte Flair versus Bailey, which I really wish this would have been a Hell in a Cell match, honestly. Uh, Bailey does a, a classic Ric Flair heel poke, which I thought was apropos. Charlotte looks very strong. And Bailey is now a complete heel, which, which my question is are we turning Flair to a babyface? Uh, Flair was bleeding from the mouth. Both did look very strong in the end. The crowd was even divided in Bailey's home state. Um, Charlotte wins with a figure eight to be a 10 time champion, which is a first ballot hall of famer. Uh, and I really wish that they would have been given more time here. This was the diamond in the rough match in the middle of all the crap matches that closed out the show. And then at the end, Bailey throws a, a complete heel fit at the end. This gets a B plus. Um, again, I wish this would have gone longer and would have been in the hell in the cell time for what we call the main event. Uh, which was The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Ramblin' Seth Rollins. Uh, Bray Wyatt may now have the scariest entry of all time, and I love it. I wish that he would uh, have his entrances more often because they're freaky, and if I were a child, I'm not sure if I could watch it, to be honest with you. Uh, the match is in red lights, which, in the words of my friend Matt, absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. Red lights with a red cage. Could the fans that were there actually see anything? Um, I loved Bray Wyatt looking so strong, and I hated Rollins looking so scared. Uh, the sister Abigail into the cage was great. And, and honestly, and I, the guys aren't going to agree with me on this, and that's okay, I didn't mind Rollins with the stomp after stomp after stomp. And the only reason I say that is because it made Bray Wyatt look that much stronger and made him look unbeatable. And guys, if I remind you, if you cheer for Lesnar going to Suplex City, then you can't complain about Rollins going to curb stomp corners. Do you see what I did there? The crowd completely popped every time The Fiend got up and booed every time Rollins got an offensive move. And at the end, I think they were trying to make Rollins look like he was crazy. And guys, the ref cannot call for the bell in a no disqualification. Are you freaking kidding me? There were chants of BS, which I won't say because we're a PG show, and several AEW chants. The crowd, the crowd even started chanting to restart the match whenever uh, um, Bray Wyatt got up. Uh, he did the Sister Abigail on the con concrete, which I wish he'd have done multiple times to knock Rollins completely out, and then did the mandible claw while Seth is spitting up blood, and the show ends in a chorus of boos. So to wrap this up, congratulations, Vince. You have officially pissed off your entire fan base. You made your top champion the most hated face in the company, and you misused your biggest fan favorite not named Becky Lynch. Vince... You have lost it. I wish it was you in the ring with Kevin Owens on SmackDown, and he fired you. You need to retire and go out to the pasture because you've lost your mind, along with viewers and fans. That match gets an F. I'm sure the guys are going to go way more in-depth with analysis, as this was just a quick recap and reaction. Uh, tune in later this week to hear my NXT review with my lovely wife, Raquel. This is Chris signing off and wishing that Hell in the Cell never happened.